Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hi, welcome to the very first episode of Can I Pick Your Brain? Today, I'll be picking the brains of Daniel Abrams of CurrencyTransfer.com. Daniel has been featured on CNBC, among other major media networks. He has been awarded Startup of the Week by Wide Magazine, Startup of the Year, and Best Online Service. He had the most liked demo at the Google campus and has managed to represent the UK foreign exchange market at SXSW Interactive. His company has helped customers exchange over $1 billion to date. And all this he has achieved at the ripe old age of... 28. Daniel, welcome to the show and thanks for letting me pick your brain. No problem. Thanks. Good to be with you, Daniel. Thank you for uh, the opportunity. Now, uh, Daniel, I'm intrigued. What's your background? Like, tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up in your shoes. Sure. So I, uh, I grew up in northwest London in a place called Hendon to uh, my Jewish background. I, I went to Highgate School. Always did pretty well in terms of in terms of grades. Not that I use much of uh, of what what I learn, you know, now running running currencytransfer.com. But uh, I, you know, I had a very nice background growing up. One brother, one sister. I basically always had a bit of problem dealing um, dealing with authority. I think the uh, my, my headmaster almost once said that that I'd never be able to to work for anyone other than uh, other than basically being my own boss. So I, I kind of chose the path that probably my headmaster had for me in terms of right. problems dealing right. with authority. So yeah, I, I, I then went on to Manchester University studying management and spent a year in Australia at the University of Sydney. And that's where I kind of first had the, the idea of launching a, a money transfer marketplace. Wow. Oh, incredible. I mean, we're going to get to your, to, to your business in a minute. And um, so what what motivated you to start your business? Again, I think so. I alluded to the fact that I went to Sydney University and I, you know, they say every great tech business is founded out of um, personal pain. Yeah. We're far from being a, a great tech business, but we're doing okay so far. And I guess what motivated me and why I, I, I think that we're doing okay is the fact that I suffered personal pain moving money from one bank account in one country to another bank account in another country. I constantly needed to convert sterling to Australian dollars, whether it be for, again, paying tuition fees or simply just cash to, you know, use on a day-to-day basis in terms of living expenses. Now, I was horrified at the exchange rate market cups that were being charged by the banks and an airport bureau, you know, even costing up to 15%, the worst case at the at the airport bureaus of the value of the right. transfer. Likewise, you know, trading with a making a transfer via a bank, you know, they'll say we offer 0% commission at best, but then they'll start slapping on a 5% hidden fee built into the rate. So I thought there must be another way, a better way, uh, a cheaper way, a faster way, a more efficient way. So that's when me and my co-founder got together and basically conceived the idea of of making it far more affordable for expats, overseas property buyers, businesses, and individuals like myself to move money cross borders without feeling like you're making a cross-border payment. And that was, I guess, the motivation behind the marketplace that is now currencytransfer.com. You know, Daniel, it's incredible what you've achieved. But, you know, one of the things that I, I'm thinking, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, is that, you know, it's one thing that we have an idea. And I think your, your idea was great. 
But how do you go from idea to execution? How do you get over the you know, procrastination, the fear of it, the pressure? I mean, you've got, first of all, there's other players out there. There are, there are money exchanges. You know, you're this young guy coming into a crazy market. I mean, it's a huge market. I mean, how do you get over you know, perfectionism and procrastination and fear? You're right. I, I, mean, I, I mean, I think there's many different subsets to that kind of one question. And I think if we tackle them one by one, hopefully I'll give you an insight into the way kind of we thought from, from sort of, I guess, PowerPoint to, to where we are now, which you're right in saying we've done, we've done a lot of flow. In terms of fear, pressure, you know, I don't think that exists when you're at sort of PowerPoint phase and you're going out and you're, you're trying to recruit your first customers and your first partners. I think the adjectives I would use are, are, are just sheer excitement. You know, you're mm-hmm. launching something that basically is hopefully going to take over the world. You've got your first hypothesis of what your, you know, what your kind of customer wants. You've built your, what we call MVP, your minimum viable product. And you're out there and you're trying to get your first customer. So I think what you have to deal with there is just the sheer excitement factor of, you know, I've got a great idea. I'm starting to get my first customer. Now, how do we really turn it into a viable and profitable business? That's where I think feelings of you know, perfectionism, when you've got to start looking at segmentation, you know, you're right, we have a huge 20 billion, you know, uh, revenue opportunity. But where do you start when you have such a huge market? It's not like starting, let's say, a local community newspaper. I met with an editor of a, of a newspaper the other day, and he said to me, it's actually, I've got a problem that you don't have. I know where my audience are. They're in this catchment from this tube station to that tube station. And, you know, it's very easy for me to segment my audience. You actually have the problem of segmentation. And that's where, you know, thoughts of it's just, I can't be a perfectionist because there's so many opportunities out there. I think feelings of loneliness, I didn't have on an individual level because I have a co-founder and I think if anyone you know if there's one tip I'd say for anyone looking to start a business particularly if they're looking to start a technology business or, a, or an online based startup is find a co-founder particularly if you're not a techie having mm-hmm. a you know Stevan who's who's my co-founder equal partner on the team on day one I think is putting you hugely uh, kind of ahead of the curve when you look at sort of, you know, the stats out there that say nine out of 10 startups fail. And and one of the big reasons for failure is not having a good, strong co-founding team that can result in loneliness, pressure and so on and so forth. So, 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 you know, to to deal yourself a good hand to start off with, I'd say, um, you know, find a good co-founder. Then you obviously get that the nature of that excitement. You know, you're right. And you can bounce ideas off each other as well. So that's that's also great. Yeah, Absolutely. But you know, Daniel, the thing is, right, okay, so you've got your, your techie guy, you've got your website up, right, you've got all, uh, you've got the idea, you've got the plan. How, but, you know, things like getting onto uh, CNBC, I mean, how do you do that? You know, because mo- most people on, uh, listening to this will be like, wow, how did he get on CNBC? How do you do something like that? I think you've either got to have a very damn good PR agency or you've got to have a damn good product. And okay. I would, if I'm giving advice to anyone out there that's thinking of starting a business or actually starting a business in the beginning, I'd say, you know, is this thing newsworthy is number one. Are you doing something different? Is your solution 10 times better? Because to get on a, you know, a publication like CNBC, you've either got to be a damn good salesman or your product has to be 10 times better than what's out there at the moment because then it becomes newsworthy. It's, you know, it's either, exactly. It's either saving people time. It's saving people money. It's, it's making their lives easier, you know, in one, you know, way of looking at it or another. So, you know, you really have to focus and be absolutely obsessed by your product to even think about, you know, being covered by, you know, some of these really big publications. And then, you know, if you have a good product, mm-hmm. that's not the end of the story because you've still got to 
So right. some, you know, excuse, you know, my friends, we've got to hustle. You've got to get out there and you've got to outreach like crazy if you can't afford to have a very good PR agency. So mm-hmm. I think there's, you know, on the one hand, you'll never get onto a star-studded kind of, you know, publication or interview if you don't have a good product. But then that's not the end of the game. You can have the best product in the world but not be able to ship it. And to ship it, you've got to be very commercially savvy. You've got to find the hook. You've got to, um, and you've got to, you know, work. You've got to get out there and network and 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 really you know work hard to secure you know good interviews like this one we're having here <laughs> right I, I didn't know hustle was a french word right? <laughs> i mean my, my mother's french and i got a b in french i never i never saw the word maybe, hustle maybe it's pronounced or something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know what so you get invited onto cnbc and i'll tell you something you know I've, I've started this new podcast. Now, I, I've done other ventures in my life, and I've come up with, uh, with various fears. And, and, but this is, this is really scary. You know, let me tell you, I, I just want to say something to the audience. You know, starting a podcast is not easy. You, know, you get your logo, you get your name, you get your branding out there, you, you buy the equipment, and then you sit there and you go, oh, my God, now I've got to actually interview someone. I, I'm scared. Like, how do I, you know, but this is nothing. I mean, if CNBC called me up. Yeah, but you know, I, I, I put a disclaimer on that, and I'd actually partly disagree from the perspective just because you're on CNBC or Wired or whatever accolades you have doesn't mean you have a good business it's like um it's like almost a heroin injection not that I've ever experienced the sensational feeling and I can assure you you know mom and dad if you're listening I I haven't um (laughs) you'll get tons of hits on your website you know you'll get phone calls galore and it will be great for you know a certain short period of time but you know right. just like any newspaper or, or or interview yes you can leverage it on your website which will then for the, for it for the eternity of your business you'll you'll be associated with you know trust and particularly at currencytransfer.com it's all about trust and security of you know when we help people move money from a to b so so for sure you know legacy wise that does help us but in terms of actual client acquisition and you know other than the short term buzz it generates it has no bearing on whether you have a good business or 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 not i know plenty of companies right. that have zero sort of tier 1 pr but they are, you know, generating multi-million pound profits. So, yes, it's important. I would say it's more important for certain industries than others. But, of course, you know, there has to be an integrated marketing effort behind just simply being on, on one of these sort of CNBCs. Right, right. Daniel, the thing is, I want to try and understand it because, you know, my, my role in, in, in picking people's brains, picking successful entrepreneurs' brains, isn't just about the numbers. It's not just about their awards and what they've achieved. It's more of the mindset. It's more, I want to know what went through, you know, when, when CNBC, you know, contacted you and wanted to, to interview you, you know, what was going through your mind? How did you psych yourself up? How did you get yourself to the point where you felt confident enough to come live on TV and present yourself? I, That's what I'd like I, to I think it all happened so quickly between here's an opportunity to you kind of going live that you didn't really have too much time to think. I mean, I'll be completely honest with you. I did throw up about 10 minutes <laughs> before the interview. <laughs> you did. Uh, I did. Um, oh. Yeah, so, but, but it went very well. And I think the actual reality is very, very different to all the fear that you put kind of before then. I think before I was on air, I said to Yankee, you know, this is the first time I've ever done anything on this scale. Please be very, very uh, nice and, and 
friendly <laughs> towards me. But you know, an right. insider tip here, you go on there and you have some indication of what they're going to ask you. You know, it's in their interest that it's a very, very good interview. So you will get briefed on topics. You will be, you know, given six, five to six bullet points. So you can prepare answers the night before. You never, you know, they may throw a curveball out at you. But again, just think of it from an anchor's perspective. They want a very, very good frictionless, seamless interview. So they're trying, they want to set you up for success rather than failure. And I think you know, don't go to CNBC on day one, you know, get interviewed right. on other smaller community-based websites, blogs, and so on and so forth, and build yourself so start up. Small. Yeah, right. start small and go up, and also, it's, you know, what's the worst that can really happen if you stuff up on air? Right. right. Well, I could think of a few <laughs> things. But, you know, Daniel, I'm really glad that you, you sort of opened up and you, and you shared that, the fact that you threw up 10 minutes before. I really like that, and I'll tell you why. Because a lot of Times you know you see people on air and you see people doing these uh, you know motivational speakers and you all you see is is a very confident person you don't see behind the scenes you don't know what's going on in that person's you know uh, what happened ten minutes before they came on stage before they came on pumped and ready to go you know and that, it's so important for people to realize that at the end of the day yes you know what you might throw up uh, I almost felt like throwing up. <laughs> Before I, when I recorded my first uh, podcast, but and you throw you up, do it didn't any- you throw up ten minutes before this interview? You were no, me. I, I, <laughs> thank God I did. But what I'm trying to say is, is it's important for, for people to realize that the feelings are not fact. If I feel scared and I feel like I can't do this, that's not a fact. It doesn't change the fact I can go up on stage and I can still be on my top performance. I could face the fear. I could still go out there. I can even throw up. But I can go on to, on to something like CNBC, or I can go on to a radio show, or I can go on, on to present to an audience of, of hundreds of, of thousands of people and still give over the message I want to give over. Just because I have a feeling, just because I, I, I feel so scared that I'm, I'm, I'm brought to throwing up, I still can achieve what I need to achieve. And I think that's what's important. I think that's what I'm taking from this story, is that you've got to just keep going. That's the bottom line. And another thing that you mentioned, which is, which is key, is that things happen so fast. In other words, if you build momentum, if you just keep things going, you just keep plugging along, you just keep pushing content out, keep publishing, keep getting yourself out there, it's just going to happen. It's just going to happen without you even realizing. Suddenly, you're going to look back and, you know, wow, we've done, we've done one, we've managed to achieve one billion dollars of transactions yeah which is absolutely insane. it doesn't happen in one if, if any of that if that happened in one transfer it's a bad business if it happens <laughs> you know we're, you know our average transfer size is about thirty thousand dollars so you need a lot of transfers to make up you know you can do the math um right. which translates into a good client base i think gone are the days where you do one transaction in any business and you're you, you know you're making tens of thousands of pounds if you do it's more a, a consulting gig rather than an actual sort of consumer right. facing or, or or b2b business at scale you know so yeah i agree and i i think that you know if you look back to when you did your exams at school and stuff like that the fear and stuff you always have before the reality of when you actually do you always do better than you than you than, than any of the anxiety that anyone has before they right. before they get the sort of main gig and sometimes that fuels the successful performance that happens when you're on stage or you're writing the exam i think i think there's an element of truth in the fact that or there's a lot of truth in the fact that nervous tension is a good thing right right and you can't avoid it the fact of the matter is the best public speakers out there you know you can't avoid those feelings they're natural feelings Um, but they're good feelings because if you were very very if you were completely calm and completely at ease you know would you develop such a 
an exceptional right. performance because there's not that adrenaline there. There's not that that right. feeling of you know again that nervous that nervous excitement. And it, as long as it's positive energies, there's nothing wrong with being uh, being a bit tense. Right. Well, imagine imagine we started this podcast and I said, "Hi, Daniel. Um, Daniel is from uh, yeah, exactly you know, exactly. It would kill it. It would kill. It. Who wants to listen to stuff like that? Yeah, but if you, you know, you're I'm, only you're only bubbly because you're excited. Why? Hopefully, hopefully, I'm hopefully, so delivering some very good content. But on the other side, you know, you're you perceive, let's say, me as being someone who has done okay and is 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 on the road to hopefully a successful business. And you're going to learn. Your audience is going to learn. And you know, it's like you're always a bit nervous when you're meeting a celebrity, for example. But then after right. the, you know, then after the event, it's it's okay. It's always fine. Um, who's, and who's the biggest celebrity you met? The biggest celebrity. I mean, in your world, it would be Gary Vaynerchuk on a business contest. You, you met with yeah, Gary, we, Gary I, I met Gary at, at South by Southwest, and we've tweeted back and forward. And again, we're not really? we're not friends, but we. I'd like to think that if I ever reached out to him, he, he, he'd know who I am. Um, your Twitter friends. Yeah, we're Twitter friends, but we're also every year at South by Southwest. There's a bit of context there in in Austin, which is a big. Show, um, right. but anyway, to the to the average human being, I mean, it's a very subjective thing to say who's a you know who's a celebrity and, and who isn't. But yeah, you know what's interesting, Daniel? So I I, I was playing tennis uh, this morning. Okay, I was losing three zero. Mm. Okay, and I I knew that if I if I started telling myself that's it, it's over, I'm going to lose. You know, there's no way I'm going to win. Then I'm going to lose, right? I'm going to talk. If I talk myself down, I'm going to start messing up points. I'm going to lose the game. But I turn around, I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to just get the next point. I'm not thinking about winning the whole game. I'm just going to get this next point. This next point, I am going to win. And I kept doing that, and I kept winning points, and I kept telling myself I'm going to win the next point, and I ended up coming up and beating the guy at 7-5. Yeah, uh, of course. And that, that's what it's that's about. That's the nature of building a business. I often say to my team that, you know, we're not building on a daily basis. We're not building a, mich- a, a business. That, you know, revenue doesn't just come. Profitability at a huge scale doesn't just come. We're building a mission. And what goes behind a mission is simply a set of experiments. You know, that's the best way I think any entrepreneur should look at building their business. You know, you can say 90 day plans and this and that, you know, at the end of the day, things change on a daily basis. Iterations required on a daily basis. All you're building is simply a set of experiments. You're building, you know, uh, you're building all the different parts of a bike so you can then on and ride, go on and ride the bike. You know, SEO, digital marketing, pay-per-click content marketing, inbound, cold calling, inside sales, simply just a set of experiments. And the sum of those experiments equal a successful business, hopefully, or a non-successful business. Um, right. And, you know, to, to, I think at the end of the day, building that kind of culture of it's, every day is just a, simply a set of experiments is, I think, the best way of tackling, you know, how to Basically, like you're saying, you know, it's all about just the next point. That next point is a mini experiment that can win me the that can win me the game. If I win the game, there's a sunset of experiments that can basically go on and give me the comeback. Once I'm in the lead, there's a certain set of mental experiments that will let me win that set. But ultimately, right. you're building a set of experiments here. You're experimenting with the fact that if I focus on that single point, I'm going to go out and win that point. It's going to give me the momentum to win the game, and then I'll win the set. You know, I like the way that you called it an experiment because it makes it less daunting. 
You know, if I'm calling, if I'm doing a cold call to someone and I'm scared to call them because they're, you know, a high net worth individual, you know, if I call it an experiment, I'm just doing an experiment to see what happens. It, it kind of takes off of all that pressure. Of course, you know I mean? and you oh. should want the experiments to fail. You're never going to build a business where every single thing you do lands on gold. If you did, you're never going to create a high growth business. The only thing, I, I can't remember which big entrepreneur coined the term, you know, it's good to break shit. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, that's the only way to grow. You've got to fail daily. We fail daily, but we right. succeed with what that, that, that one or two things that we then go on and double down on. And I think if any business from setting up a, you know, just a high street, I don't know, cake shop to an estate agent to an online business to Facebook, at the end of the day, you're simply just building a set of experiments, 80%, 90%, if you're lucky, of which will fail and 10% will succeed and you just double down on the ones that succeed. Right, right. Tim Ferriss, I think it call, he calls it his website, the, the Tim Ferriss Experiment. Yeah. So I think, you know, he coined that word. This that interview word. is an experiment. You're going to go off and you're going to see your Google Analytics. Right. You're going to see what parts of the interview, how people jumped from minute one to minute 10 to now we're on minute 22. You're going to see certain bits of pieces of how you did your title tag and your this and that, mm -hmm. but think about it from the perspective of if you did every single one of the first 15 interviews in exactly the same way, mm -hmm. with the same content that you put on the website, in exactly the same fashion, you're not split testing, you're not working out which one's better than the other to then go on and double down on the thing that's actually working. They say like one huge, I can't remember who it was, a huge tech, uh, it can't be that huge if I don't remember, but there was a very big... <laughs> There was a very big entrepreneur that basically said, if you can even just find one traction channel, you've got a great business. Right, right. It's amazing. So let me ask you this, Daniel. What, I mean, how long have you been running your business for? How long has it been now? So CurrencyTransfer.com is right now at its one year anniversary. We had a few iterations before then. We were doing some lead gen for lead generation for money transfer companies. But the launch of the platform came just over a year ago. Again, as a group, we've handled over a billion worth of, of currency flow. And how long, um, how long has been over? That's been over around a four-year period. But the, the platform we're making all our bets on, the market, the currencytransfer.com marketplace, has been around for about, you know, around just over a year. And we, it's growing quickly. We're, we're growing over 20% month on month. So that's interesting because let me tell you something. So, so you're saying that basically you've been now in business for, for four years doing this, right? <laughs> but it's only after year three that you see some rapid success suddenly, right? Yeah, not even rapid success because we're making more money on the other product, but we're focusing all our attentions on currencytransfer.com because that's where we see based on a series, again, of iterations, going out, mm -hmm. speaking to customers, getting feedback and iterating and iterating and iterating through a series of experiments that we figured it's going to be a really good thing if we build a, a, a trading platform where customers can book transfers in real time and not just do what we previously did, which was drive leads to partner websites. Brokers would call up, right. transfer the customer, and we'd get a commission. We wanted to be at the center of the action. So we've effectively, over the last four years, we've made an evolution from being a digital marketing business into a deep technology company. You know. So let me ask you this, Daniel, because we've talked about the psychology and overcoming fear and doing and how, how to you know, overcome procrastination. Let's get practical now a little bit. What, what are some of the best tools that you've used to help you get, you know, to get this far? I mean, first of all, I'd actually say, and this is probably if anyone listens to this interview, I'd say listen to the next one minute. The scariest thing that I've ever had to do building the company was what we call in technical terms a pivot changing the direction of the whole company, the whole culture, from being a lead generation business into a technology company. 
that was a, a, a pivot where we were doing well. We were making tons of profit. We were fantastic. But I said, look, there's a glass ceiling to do what we do. And we have to actually go out, dump part of the code that we've done and just basically make a, a you know, a 360 degree turn and say, right, we are focusing the whole energy on this type of business. We're starting basically to generate revenue as our core revenue stream on one specific product, currencytransfer.com. And that was a massive decision, a scary decision. You know, one where you kind of basically take the best bits of what you've done previously, but ultimately write the first line of code from scratch again. You know what's incredible, that, Daniel? That, that, that was something that was obviously very, very scary and something that, right. that ultimately you need to just, it's okay if you get buy-in from it, you know, all the key stakeholders in the business. It makes it less scary. You know what's incredible is that in my last episode, I introduced my story and I have a very similar story to that where I had all my stuff in-house. I had everything. I was doing everything in-house. And there was this what you call a pivot, like you just mentioned, where, you know, three years ago, I completely changed the structure of my whole entire business where I outsourced the whole thing. And Lazy I've never looked back. <laughs> it was incredible. It was the best decision I've ever made. But let me tell you something. What's interesting about this whole, this whole conversation here is that I needed to, to start the business and go through all of those, like we said before, experiments to get to the point where I could then say, hey, hold on, this is not working the way it's working. Let me do something different. And that's exactly what you did. You built a business and, and after three years of, of experimenting, you said, hold on a second, this is not, not going to work. Let's do something different. And you did it. And I think what, what a lot of the listeners here are going to take away, hopefully take away from this, is that a lot of the times we get emotionally attached mm. to our businesses. We get emotionally attached to what we're doing that we're more willing to sort of just hold on to it than to let it go and just yeah, go absolutely. with what works. Absolutely. And, that, and therein lies the opportunity for other more nimble startups who want to iterate. The best example of that, in a way, are banks. Banks have like an 85% share of the international money transfer market. A lot of people come to me and say, yeah, but the banks ultimately, if they know what you're up to, they're going to lower their margins, they're going to compete with you, and they'll always win on trust and security. So, you know, your, your business has a lifetime. But banks for years and years and years and centuries of, <laughs> maybe not centuries, but they've always overcharged on international transfers. Now, to culturally change a bank from top to bottom is a huge thing. You know, the... Um, you know, they often say that banks are run as kind of oil tankers and startups are these speedboats. And I think that <laughs> that is, you know, a speedboat can change direction at any point within, you know, without, with not that much, you know, outside consideration. Think about changing a bank from the ground up and right. how many people, right. you know, you get innovation managers at banks that try and change banks, but ultimately they end up kind of, you know, quitting jobs within six months because they say, I just can't change this thing. It's, you know, it, yeah. it's all built on legacy um, systems and legacy way of thinking. So I think yeah. you know there's, a, there's a lot of opportunity for startups yeah. out there and, and any company in any industry to challenge the old guard because, as you say, the old guard are comfortable. The old guard don't are frightened to lose what they've got at the expense of what could be. And if you're comfortable, why on earth, unless you have a growth hacking kind of mentality, why would you not want to rest on your laurels? Mm -hmm. You know, what's incredible what you're saying is that a lot of people, when they start a business, they think, how can I compete with all these big guys, these, these big boys out there? And it's the first question I guess I asked you is, how could you go against the banks? I mean, in, in, in an industry where there's, there's, such, there's so much uh, experience and, and you're coming in from the get-go. But what you just said was, was, was so true. When you're small, the advantage that you have, the biggest advantage that you have is that you're flexible. You can change direction. You can, do, you, you can become innovative from today. You know, the big boys, it's not so easy for them to turn around. Mm -hmm. Like you just said, it's, it's incredible. I'm going to end. I'm gonna, we're going to. This, this has been amazing. Thank you so much, Daniel. Um, just 
just to leave us off with uh, name one uh, one practical thing that you could share with our listeners that they can apply to their business today. I would say the founder of LinkedIn once said, if you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you've launched mm. too late. So stop Amazing. being a perfectionist. Get the thing out there, whether it's a blog post, whether it's a first version of your new business, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's a marketing campaign that you are thinking, but you want to wait off for A, B and C, don't wait. Just launch, get feedback, iterate and repeat that loop every single time. Daniel, thank you for letting me pick your brain today. I hope everybody's enjoyed this interview. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Daniel. No problem. Thank you. Good luck. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.